discretion is advised as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Now, are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. Wednesday, the NBC Spotlight Show of the Week is The West Wing. He's going to go on TV and say he lied. In an extraordinary year comes an amazing episode, even for the most honored show on television. I'm going to tell you something shocking. Oh, and one more thing. Don't miss the last five minutes. All new West Wing, NBC Wednesday. NBC Next. Thank you, Mr. President. After four years with The West Wing, it's Rob Lowe's farewell episode. God save the President of the United States and Sam Seymour. And as time runs out for Americans held hostage. There's a 70% chance of success. The order will be given. Go. Go. A rescue is only the beginning. An all-new West Wing, NBC Next. All-new West Wing, Matthew Perry returns, and a constitutional crisis erupts. You will be held responsible for shutting down the federal government. Ed, the West Wing, and Law and & Order, all-new NBC Wednesday. And we're back with our special guest, Ryan Rodriguez. How are you? I am decent. Could right. be better. Not great, but decent. All righty. Ryan of the Coolness Chronicles podcast and I previously covered the first two seasons of the hit series the west wing and i decided well actually he decided <laughs> it'd just be better if we just do it in a second part and i was like yeah sure let's do that and i was glad that he did that i was able to read up a bit more and you know separate all the seasons you know because in my mind it's just one big big ass blob <laughs> mm-hmm. and no more though no more i'm gonna let you take it away on season three uh where they cover the administration's third and fourth year in office with Bartlett announcing his intention to run for re-election. Various Secret Service agents, uh, including one particular one, played by Mark Harmon, who decides to guard CJ. Oh, and, poor Mark Harmon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. And uh, the Kumari defense minister has been causing some mayhem the last two seasons and is fully detailed in full and pretty much gives a godfather look to this show. So when you're ready, Ryan, I'll let you sum it up as best you can. Okay. Uh, Season three is a pretty, it's a difficult season in terms of production because they had shot eight episodes and then 9-11 happened. And there was the question of, is this show relevant anymore? It's the same thing that The Daily Show had to face up is, does what we do, is it really important after this? And they did a special episode called, I think it was, uh, shit. something in Able. It's not coming to me at the minute, at the moment, but they basically did a, a bottle episode inside the White House on lockdown with a bunch of kids that were touring for a uh, field trip. And there is a presumed terrorist uh, threat, and they have to shut down and basically give the kids a history uh, yes. of the Middle East. Yeah, I I did not see that one, I don't think. It is probably the weakest episode of the season, mainly because it feels like, well, what it is, a civics lesson. Is, but, is this on the DVD? Yes, I, it is. I, it's, uh, okay. it's the eighth episode, I believe. Because I, I so did not see this on Netflix. 
now I did see the documentary special and this is awesome. It has actual personnel. It has Kissinger, Presidents Ford, Carter, Clinton, uh, Fitzwater, D.D. Myers, who no one of this generation knows, uh, even Karl Rove. It's just like, Jesus. Uh, but yeah, everybody's just examined more in full. And uh, uh, they just give their general synopsis of, you know, what, what the show yeah. is, you know, how it mirrors today. Yeah, totally how it gets the facts and they don't really say, you know, what it dramatizes or anything, but they, they, they pretty much just give you enough to just munch on and say, okay, it's cool to have actual politicians talk about it. Yeah. And uh, so after this special episode, they basically had to regroup and kind of tone down some of the more incendiary political stuff. So as a result, three is kind of this, it's, a weird kind of tonal shift, but at the same time, it's still the same show. It's just a little more muted and a little more safe than perhaps it would have been beforehand. But totally. still, overall, a great season. Totally concur. Yeah, uh, this is the best kind of filler season for me overall. I mean, it kind of focuses more on Josh at this point. Uh, I especially remember the one episode... Uh, where they play uh, Don Henley's New York Minute, and it's just so yeah. well-timed, and I'm like, and I think it's funny because Sorkin later reuses some other classic Eagles and Don Henley songs in the newsroom <laughs> that are at pivotal moments, and yeah. uh, and, and then, yeah, uh, like, like the Wikipedia summary, I mean, it pretty much does become CJ's story in the second portion, and uh, th this is a cool role for Mark Harvin as her date slash Secret Service agent, because, yeah, she, she gets threatened by some crazy lunatic, uh, stalker, crap, crappy asshole. <laughs> and, yeah, for lack of a better uh, description. And it, That's what I call terrorists from now on, just crappy assholes. Yeah, there you go. And it's just pleasant. It's just very cool and... It's like, because I mean, we've seen other Secret Service agents. Uh, I I couldn't help but miss uh, Gina, played by future CSI star Georgia Fox. Yeah. In the first two seasons, and to have just a few other just semi-known actors. I mean, Harmon had already been like many of the future NCIS stars on this show. You know, already been on Chicago Hope and what have you, and saying yeah, elsewhere. He was on so for what, like six years? Yeah, and he pretty much brought everyone with him to NCIS. <laughs> but, and uh, Rocky Carroll, as a matter of fact, who later plays Leon's on NCIS, is also in like one episode oh, in cool. this or next season. Really brief. Uh, I, I had to look it up just to re-remember. But it's cool to just see a few different sides of Secret Service. And it, it also just shows you again how no one is safe. I'll just pretty much just get down to it. You, you pretty much know going in that this... Middle Eastern country is just going to be a total pain in everybody's ass <laughs> diplomatically. And they've kind of hinted at before that the president will get violent and, you know, do a dick measuring contest if he has to, you know, <laughs> especially from the beginning episodes when he uh, orders, you know, a revenge airstrike after one of the naval carriers holding one of his 
medical doctors is bombed and destroyed. <laughs> One of the so, best episodes. Uh, yeah, and, and and this whole finale, I I say it's Godfather because it literally is the same kind of just quick editing, you know, montage, you know. It, I mean, it's while he's at a fucking opera, for God's sake. You know? So yeah. it's like, like, holy shit. I it's mean, very Godfather. Yeah, he orders it. He has no problem. He knows what he's doing illegal. and But it's just a showing you is like, uh, when it's overseas, there are no rules, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are, but they pretty much get disobeyed, just like the whole FBI, CIA jurisdiction thing. So it, it also just shows you is like, it's like the only way I'm not, tr- I'm going to try and word this wisely because I don't want to promote any killing of anyone, good or bad. But it, it pretty much shows you is like, this is the only way it's going to end, basically. And yeah. Leo has a few main episodes, kind of. Uh, gets a little more snappy. Uh, Rob Lowe gets a little more to do. Uh, and a little this is too late, s- but yeah. Yeah, a, a little too late. And, the damage uh, was done. Pretty much, he was uh, moving on. And some people say that he and Sorkin weren't seeing eye to eye, and other people were just saying, you know, hey, he's gone. I mean, he's, he's now recanted it to where he's like, Sorkin was going, so I was going too. But whatever. But he does know. leave like almost every single show he goes to. Yeah, it well, and the in parts and same, rec situation, absolutely. And it's funny you brought that up. Uh, on West Wing Weekly, a podcast hosted by Joshua Molina, who is introduced in this season, uh, yeah. as Will Bailey, who, right? Who, pretty much, you know, from the ground up, he's gonna have shoes to fill one way or the other. You, you don't know who he's gonna replace, uh, but you know, he's see... gonna be sticking around because he's mm-hmm. a Sorkin regular. Yeah, and Rob Lowe pretty much preach, uh, Sa- uh, his character Sam pretty much just preaches to Will, just basically being a mentor without even asking if he even wants advice. He's just like, if you want to survive, you're going to need to do this. And he pretty much sees his talent. He scans him like a robot. <laughs> He's like, hey, uh, this local campaign you're a part of, uh, leave it. Join us. <laughs> We need you because you're wasting your talent here with this guy who's not going to get elected. And I think it's California or yep, California. Yeah. Okay. And this is the season with James Rowland. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's the it's Republican the George W. Bush surrogate. Yeah. He's from Florida. <laughs> uh, and, and I, I was going through the whole series, you know, the first time and I literally in their debate episode for Rowland's character, Richie and, Martin Sheen's uh, Bartlett uh, go head to head. It, it was just they both had just awesome speeches, especially Martin Sheen's. And I I had to watch it. I, I saw it at work, and then I saw it again <laughs> as soon as I got home from work. I was like, I love this. Um, it's just very delicate and it's very susceptible at looking at uh, just how you know even if Mar- Martin Sheen's gonna kick his uh opponent's ass you never get a sense that you know he's made it all the ballpark you still feel like he's gonna have plenty of still needs to be a credible threat to the presidency yeah otherwise you don't have drama and and they they mentioned i mean they kind of mentioned it uh in like earlier two seasons but they really mentioned a little more is like hey you know you're you're doing 
good work, but you're not you're still not exactly popular in the polls. How are you gonna how are you gonna answer to this? So that that's cool to know because I mean it's not uncommon either. It gives it a sense of some kind of reality. Not everyone pays attention. Some people again, I mean, like to blindly say I feel safe. You know, doesn't matter what side you're on. But I mean, uh, there's plenty of other people who you know watch C-SPAN every day. They <laughs> they they and it definitely caters to that. The news media definitely feels more and more like C-SPAN. I think they have it on a few of the TV screens, if I'm not mistaken. But Yes, they do. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, you have any other uh, points to add? I, I feel like it starts out slow, but then it kicks more ass later. But it's not yeah, exactly... Definitely, it, it builds, because they had to kind of reconfigure and regroup a bit. But by the time it gets to the end, you're basically ready for season four to start immediately after it's over. Yes. Guys, if fucking heart-wrenching and now that you mentioned that whole 9-11 mentality uh, the whole execution makes even more sense where yeah it's definitely like, inspired by that uh, yeah it's like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what side you're on it we're, we're out for blood <laughs> you fuck Punishment with us was due. yeah uh and i mean they don't even really give it a one-sided debate they just pretty much just say this guy is uncorroborable and won't isn't having it just not no peace talk nothing and and that if there was if they had any other diplomat who could come in they would and it seems like options are exhausted and he's just going the legal maneuver which probably isn't uncommon i mean if you're a politician you're gonna have a a few skeletons in your closet, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it really, it, it just kind of, I had already had a few spoilers about how it ended and it still shocked the hell out of me. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say, uh, CJ falls in love so late with the, her secret service, uh, guardian played by Mark Harmon. And the fact that he's just going to just go by the convenience store, you know, it's, get a drink and it's just this robbery in process <laughs> gets gunned down and it's just wow brutal <laughs> it is and not like physically brutal but emotionally brutal very brutal and you it's see a the tiny bit her. manipulative but only in the good way yeah, very much so i mean being how you got the producer of er there is going to be a forced gimmick now and again but yeah. uh it's television. Since you gotta you gotta be television. television occasionally. It's television, and it's fortunately got enough of a competent crew to where they they know how to just frame it, both, uh, you know, mentally and uh, physically, and doing that with the brilliant Godfather style execution just makes it all the more just effective. It's just montages yeah. are just better than just wasting time, just stating the obvious, waiting for easy predictions to set in. And I mean, you kind of get a sense that no one is safe, but it, it doesn't undercut it. Um, and right. like you say, you instantly, I, I cheated, you know, <laughs> years later. So I instantly went into the next season after this, but God, it, I think I did have to take a breather. It's like, ugh, this is not easy to watch. Season four, what would you say are your favorite highlights of that one? see season four i would probably say the debate prep episode because sorkin didn't really want to do a traditional debate episode 
He wanted to make make it kind of clear right before the election. He's kind of got this in the bag in order to kind of not be the typical political show. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it felt familiar, but it didn't. So uh, that, that pretty much made it just go on from there. And I, based on what you just told me now, I, I, I can kind of see why it seems like they're still recovering not only from 9-11, but just tying up the rest of season three. They know who whoever's watching it at this point, you know, we're not going to catch you up. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, we're ingrained at this point. Yeah. If you if you're not watching this and you snooze, you lose. We're not doing flashbacks or previously on, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, Richard Schiff even says in his later interview and we'll get to him later on how when he later started doing uh, the previously on uh, narration, he, he just sat because he was still bitter. And we'll, we'll get to that again. Uh, it, it just didn't it sat, it came off as kind of a board. And I, when I think about it a little harder, it's like, yeah, his, his previously on were kind of pretty weak. <laughs> it was kind of like he, he, he it was a resigned kind of attitude. So it's kind of like previously on the West Wing. Yeah. And then there's no need for that attitude. You just got to just be a stormtrooper on that one. And so I don't say I blame him because. Yeah. Uh, don't get <laughs> oh, me that wrong. character uh, goes through some shit. Well, that and I'm just going to go ahead and spoil it. They pretty much gave a lot of attention to every character, but they really didn't give a lot of attention to him. And because of that, they forgot to inform his character's uh, final moments. Not that they were deadly, but they might as well have been. And he yeah. felt let down. He's like, you fucking lied to me. And he exploded on him over the phone. I'm not making that up. And I can't say I blame him. And at the same time, I just kind of feel like he should have just been like, hey, you know, I've been on the show seven years I just gotta just suck it up and not be a princess, but I, I but can to be see. Fair, I mean, a lot of people got the short shrift in the last season. It was more about ushering in the new than kind of paying attention to the old. Yeah, but I kind of feel like, in a way, like they told Alice and Janie and Martin Sheen that you know what they were getting into, they weren't going to be the focus much, and yet. Toby is kind of a focus for a while and then they just flat out just toss him out. And so it's just like, yeah. okay, well, that's a lot of buildup. I'm not I saying I believe anything. he's the one living cast member that was not in the final episode. If I remember correctly. Yeah, he did not go to the rap party. He was still pissed off and everybody just kind of just shrugged it. And when he was telling about this story on the West Wing weekly podcast, he even joked it's like, oh, so now I'm going to kill my career all over again by showing what a bad sport I was. <laughs> like, damn, dude. Well, now um, I need to listen to this podcast. God. It's a two-year-old I want to hear these stories. So I, I'm also late to it, but it holds up pretty well. They're, not much has changed. I mean, they pretty much stopped doing it as soon as, you know, they covered all the episodes. But there's some great interviews, and I'll mention those later. Uh, right. yeah, so season four is just pretty much first half. Let's wrap up more of season three, get this whole election underway and then the next part we're gonna introduce new conflicts and have sam rob lowe's character take off and uh give him a reason i mean we pretty much just show him before he goes i can't say based on memory if it was even the best proper leave but they pretty much just say it's it, kind of a it, softball but it, it's, it's you want to leave the the opportunity open for 
for future returns, but at the same time, you want to make it very clear he's definitely not coming back next week. Yeah, they they dribble him around a bit and kind of show that he's mildly implied as growing a bigger head. He's like, I want to run. <laughs> I want to further my political career. He's like, fuck this administration. I'm going. <laughs> and knowing the the last season, it does not particularly go well. Yeah. It's all off screen, but it does not. I mean, he's never, for like two years, he is not mentioned, I think, once. He's not really and mentioned. when he finally does come back in, it's kind of like, yeah, it didn't go well. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> he took it serious, but it didn't pay off at all. It was a total waste of his time and talent. He should have just stuck with it. But then again, I wasn't in his shoes. I don't know his workload, so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. It's interesting how they focus on Hines, Tim Matheson's vice president character, having to resign after, you know, caught with his pants down. And yeah. it, it's, they do kind of a bittersweet farewell to him. And at the same time, they don't, they still just show what a douche he is. And yet how they kind of imply at the same time that there's going to have to be bigger shoes to fill because he was part of the reason Bartlett got elected because he turned, you know, the party over to his, right. you know, progressive issues. And because he's now no longer in there, points of supporters are gone. So therefore Bartlett has less support. And it's like, yeah, that's not good. It's the kind of situation where you, you get the election out of the way and you basically say, okay, so now we know that for four years, we're basically safe. You can't really do anything to us. I mean, you could impeach us if we did something bad, but for the most part, the opposition is done. So the question yeah. is, what is the legacy that you leave? But then with right. with Hoynes, it, you needed to, because it was the very, very end of the season, and it was right when Sorkin was deciding not to come back. So you kind of yep. have like this mad dash of story at the very, very end. It's not really tied to the season before, except for maybe like Toby's storyline. Yep, but the, the drugs weren't helping either. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. It was uh, it was Sorkin's way of know? basically his mentality was you make the job hard for the next guy coming in, and so even yeah. if they had some peaceful resolutions to some of the storylines, you need to end on a note of well, we can take it in eighteen different directions. Mm hmm. I don't really remember as much with. Donna and Josh at this point, I mean, there's still the one guy who's later on been the pretty boy on a bunch of other shows who sh she's kind of caught in a romantic triangle with. She's seduced by the dark side, so to speak. <laughs> Is the guy, wasn't the guy from Royal, uh, Royal Pains? Yeah, I forget his guy? name. Mark Rubenstein. Mark Gerstein? Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Some Jewish name, and yeah, later played a very, very evil role on the last season they did of Prison Break. Uh, oh, she's always been... Yeah, always been kind of a go-to, and but this is like the early, er, an early, early role for him, and like the first, technically probably the first role where you see him play a douche, because I mean I think he was already off of Ed or whatever, and yeah, it's like he was whatever. doing a lot of sitcoms at the time. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, and it it was cool to have more guest stars this season. Uh, I remember Michael Norrie of uh, Flashdance and Future NCIS fame. Yeah, I can go and the OC. Yeah, he was doing this around the same time, or actually, I think after he had OC. done like two spots on the OC at this point. Okay, so perfect. He's yeah, kind of so like hinted at, but never really shown. Okay, so yeah, there's a lot of pretty people and very equally talented guys coming from other Fox and 
ABC shows onto this NBC drama. And he's kind of a cool role here. Uh, cool guest spot. I, I'd even tie him with uh, John D. Lancey, Q on Star Trek fame in season yeah. one, which is kind of just standing out because his character just has this position of power and uh, they literally just go to dinner and it, I like the montage and the music. It just gives you a sense of like someone got shit done. <laughs> I wish, I wish every meeting was this way, but it's not in real life. Um, uh, and uh, I really found the episode uh, where CJ vis- visits her ailing father. Uh, just very bittersweet and just fucking sad. <laughs> yeah, that's it's even my, more that's my sad. least favorite episode of the season. Oh, well, no, that's fine. I mean, it, I, I do recall it being just a drag at first, just very slow. Uh, I just was, I think I just felt sad for her. So I just, I, I kind of rose to it at the very end. But it's like the second to last role for the late, great uh, Donald Moffat, who we lost about, God, we're coming up about on two years. Uh, I, I know him best, you know, he's known to various people for playing other politicians, especially the crooked president and clearing present danger and supporting role in John Carpenter's The Thing. So I just yeah. thought it was just kind of a cool role for him. But I, I thought it he's like suffering from like dementia or something. Yeah, dementia. Yeah, yeah. And CJ is just totally like, uh, you know, she's not being cynical, but she she's just hurting and who wouldn't but i mean yeah, she's just like uh, i'm just gonna have to just sit here on the bed and just sulk all night and <laughs> i can't remember yeah. if her father passes away but they kind of abandoned that subplot but it is what it is i think they they do mention it i don't remember if it's season five or season six but i i do believe there's some closure but it's kind of tossed off like oh yeah that episode happened okay we can move on now yeah, we, we could, if we really wanted to, just like any show, good or bad, we could pretty much tear this to <laughs> apart nonstop. And yet at the same time, like, it doesn't do it in a way where it just so pisses me off. But at the same time, it's like, we got to start getting cooking here. So uh, the transition's rough. The payback, you can argue whether it's even merited or not. I, I don't know. I still don't know. I, I just recall being so distracted by the stuff I liked, but I'm sure I, if I had to, if I had to do even like a best of montage, there'd be plenty of episodes. I just flat out skip. <laughs> skip. Uh, For me, that would be season five, but we're, we'll get to that. Oh yeah. Well, well let, let's start now. Uh, season five uh, start, starts up from season four. They have an uh, interesting guest spot by Ty Diggs. He'd already been you know big on broadway and various movies but you know aside from this and will and grace you know he hadn't really done much tv and seeing him in this two-parter and seeing uh massive attacks uh haunting always haunting and commonly used song angel play as leo is running almost probably getting a heart attack just to tell the president your daughter ellie's missing yeah it's a it is that episode is it's one of the best simply because you, you put everybody in it up against a wall, which is kind of, yeah. you know, the essence of drama when it comes to serialized television. You, It's something that is required, but at the same time, it tells a complete story and it leaves it open so that if you want to 
you want to do the easy way out, you can. If you want to do the hard way and take a few episodes to resolve it, you can. It's all about what direction you choose to put it in. Yeah, I and since it ends on that cliffhanger, I was able to go to the next one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had to wait like maybe a year between them. Oh, jeez. So I was really hard. anticipating it, and then I, well. <laughs> don't don't hold back. Uh, uh, this it, really it's, a, it's a rough season, and not yeah. in the same way that season three is rough, but rough in terms of general quality. Okay. Um, yeah, they 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 pick up right uh, away. They have Bartlett enact the twenty fifth amendment, where he has to resign, you know, to you know, care for the misses and just get his shit together, you know, because he's just like I I don't I don't have my shit together, so. There's just no damn way I can leave the country and look for he needs my needs to solve it as a father and not a politician. Right. And, yeah, he, he takes, like, the most Republican Speaker of the House, played by John Goodman, back when he was put on Always the Always Oh, God. John yeah. Goodman's the best. Oh, yeah. And it, it was, you know, it was around the time he started doing, appearing in just more just SNL skits and uh, voiceover roles. And... Uh, I believe every word of it. I believe his Southern grunt, but I, but I never feel, you know, that he's even doing a repeat of his Roseanne character, not even for a minute. I just feel like he, I don't know if the history on how they acquired him. I, I think there is an interview with him or Sorkin or anyone else, but uh, fun fact that this was also because I'm such a big uh drama fan uh, i just love seeing a few other actors who are later on other uh, similar shows like designated survivor and uh madam secretary uh what's even funnier is like one of the aides to goodman's speaker of the house is uh the always talented zelchko ivanek oh yeah, yeah. Uh, most, most people know him from you know being on his douchebag and you know uh deceptive villainous roles uh, on uh, 24. Uh, Andre Drazen. Yeah. Uh, oh, we're, we're great on that. damages too for the first season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is before his Emmy winning turn on damages. And uh, he even appears like in the first episode when Goodman comes in, he's not even credited, but uh, he just winks and just closes the door. Is like, this is our office now. And he later assumes a similar role like that as, you know, like advisor to the president uh on madam secretary so it was cool how he kind of got that role and it ended up kind of foreshadowing his later role um and i mean he he'd already been doing homicide life on the street and been one of the cynical uh douchebags on uh overseeing the prison on oz but yeah, yeah to, cool. to see him break out of tom fun yeah uh same here it's my mom's favorite i'm gonna have to go for the whole show again because i'm tired of people acting like you know, Sons of Anarchy is the best. I'm like, no, it all started with Oz and Sopranos. <laughs> yeah, that was the one that showed people that HBO was not just real sex. Right. They could actually do, like, drama. Absolutely, and I really do feel like this, even when it missteps that this is NBC's HBO show. Yeah, oh, I mean, totally. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, Law & Order could have been good on any network but i mean this is this is their creation and this is actually leaving netflix lit uh sometime 
this year. Oh, it's going because, to HBO Max? Right, because it's a Warner Brothers-owned show. So there you go. Um, oh, good thing the, I, I bought it, so I don't have to get that streaming service. <laughs> right. Which is not a stupid name, by the way. HBO Max is a great name. Right. I'm not being paid to say that. Cinemax and HBO. One, one combo. I'm just kidding. It sounds kind of like like a, a hygiene product, but it's not a bad name. <laughs> HBO skin. Oh, Max. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Couldn't help. HBO no, Pro-V. I... <laughs> wow. There you go. Um, so uh, this also introduces Bingo Bob Russell, played by yeah. Gary Cole of uh, Office Space. And fun fact, another Babylon 5 guy he was on the <laughs> the spinoff right yeah he was on the he was the captain on the briefly lived uh spinoff that was way more star trek than babylon 5 ever was and we actually just did an episode about canceled sci-fi and i just brought that up because i watched it in the creator's intended order and it deserves way more credit when you watch well, it i know it's good because i've always seen it but i've never like actually physically watched it but anytime well, I, mean, I do like research it always kind of pops up Right, and much like uh, the people who hated non-Sorkin West Wing seasons, you know, it was very easy for them to dismiss anything after season four of Babylon 5. So, yeah, the, the show's kind of caught in the same pickle. <laughs> after the fourth season, all bets are off as to whether everyone unanimously agrees on the quality of the show. I can't say well, that luckily with the- Babylon 5, they only had one more year. Right. Oh, <laughs> shots fired. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, with this, I can't say they give Bingo Bob a bad intro, but they kind of introduced him too early. That would be my main complaint. They kind of is like, you should have just introduced him later, back when he's actually going to begin the campaign, because they introduce him, but he doesn't really do shit. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure that's what anyone in his position probably would be. I mean, if he's a vice president nomination, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, okay, I get it. You're from Texas, you're wearing the boots, yeah, 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 talking the talk, Texas twang. Okay. <laughs> and so what? <laughs> I think I just mainly like uh, the whole shutdown uh, dick measuring contest and trying That's to That's probably out... the most interesting part of the season, I would have to say, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I only really remember the Gaza bombing, which won the show uh, Best uh, Editing... And sound mixing, I think, a nomination got uh, Donna, uh, portrayer Jeno Maloney, a uh, Best Supporting Actress nomination. I didn't so that's, know that. That's pretty much what I He's remember. He's really good that's, in that episode. Yeah, on the West Wing Weekly, they contrasted it to the presidential attempted assassination in the first two seasons. And I never really thought of it because it was just a whole different kind of bang. But it totally makes sense, I guess. They were just looking for that same kind of shock value. Yeah, and it definitely uh, affects her character kind of going forward. Yeah. At she, least for a little bit of an arc in season six. Yeah, she briefly enters another uh, romantic triangle. Overseas falls in love with this one uh, British photographer played by Jason Isaacs, who, fun fact, was a fan. They inter- they interviewed him on the podcast. He was a fan before he came aboard. And oh, nice. he was happy, and at the same time, he was intimidated because he's like, damn it. I don't want to be the asshole becomes between my two favorite, you know, on screen, you know, romances. <laughs> and there's always uh, that guy. You somebody has to be that guy. Yeah, he he was fresh off Harry Potter, so 
he was glad to do a different role and it's a very intriguing in that there's shit tons of other guests on this season really honestly the only guests are i honestly like remember like day in and out and consider him part of the legacy even though he's only in one episode is uh uh when they probably my only favorite 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 is the episode where they go to pay tribute to one of the previous presidents who's passed away and they have the speaker, you know, since he's technically was an acting president. And they have Bartlett, and then they have a uh, guest star, uh, James Cromwell, as a former president. And yeah, I think this was was this the same time as Six Feet Under, or was this like before that? Uh, this is two oh three to oh four, and he was like in like the last season of that. So yeah, uh, that this is before him, and yeah, he. I don't know what he thinks of Six Feet Under. I'm sure he thinks it's fine. Uh, he hates his role on 24 with a passion and I can't blame him, but, uh, he, he remarked in some like site, I forget the name of it, but it's dedicated to doing rare and interviews with cult favorite, you know, character actors. And he Uh just flat out said in the interview, which was like as far back as like 2016, how it's absolutely one of his favorite TV show roles. Cause you know, at that time, you know, he had given up doing TV, you know, he'd been on, uh, Archie Bunker spinoff, you know, and done a bunch of other stuff early on in the game. But for the most part, you know, since the, uh, you know, 90s, he, he was just film only. And yeah. especially it, Babe. Right. So Babe, good, Babe. Star Trek, the card, and then the LA. Oh, he, yeah, he's in first contact. That's right. Right. And then, you know, played various other characters before and afterwards, <laughs> including reprising that role on Enterprise. But it's even fun, awesome, you know, I mean, he was the heartfelt warden in the green mile and, and to see him come off of this, you know, is he, I wouldn't say he chews it up, but he owns the role and it, he did it because it just was like reading a play, but for TV. And he's just, he was in love with the script, the character, everything. He's like, you know what? I'm going to make an exception to my role. Of course I'll do it. <laughs> and I think for me, the most, uh, important guest role is that we get the third Bartlett daughter who had been mentioned many times in the previous four seasons. She doesn't get to uh, do much, but it's, yeah. I mean, it's Annabeth Gish. So right. always happy uh, to see her. Yeah. Post uh, this is before brotherhood, but yeah, this is post X files and uh, yeah, it's a good role for her. But like you say, she doesn't get to do shit until the final season. I will yeah, say kind of just like stays at a ranch and kind of looks at the camera occasionally. And it's kind of like, okay, so you're here. That's nice. Mm-hmm. They don't really do anything with Mary Louise Parker's on again, off again, uh, Josh flirt character. I know they do again. And it's like, well, you were wasting time. You should have done more with her character. I sound like I hate this show more than I, I don't hate it, but I mean, uh, now that I'm thinking about, it, I, I, I can chew apart any show if I really want to. And, I don't like the new intern Ryan just because I am not a fan of Jesse Bradford. He is a wooden pole in every role I've seen him in, just a pretty boy actor. But the swim <laughs> fan guy? Yeah, who Clint Eastwood seems to just want to cast in every other movie he does. I'm like, Clint, stop. <laughs> he has no charisma, but he doesn't do bad here. And it's just a testament. It's just like one of those, you know, good or bad. If you're on a certain production of a certain quality sometimes the magic happens just like you know when you see an infamous actor in a scorsese or spielberg production <laughs> he doesn't su- he doesn't suffer too bad here and, yeah. and he 
to be fair, the character is kind of meant to be hated. So I'm not, I'm not going to be all cynical and go there. So, I mean, he did his job. He was just, I'll be, be cynical for you. That's okay. <laughs> okay. So yeah, Alex Grave takes over a lot and it's not easy. It's a lot to take over. I've seen critics compare Bartlett to Teddy Roosevelt, not Ted Roosevelt, uh, Ted Kennedy. And I think I see a little bit more of that in him in the presidential moments. Leo kind of gets a bit more to do, but then they kind of just cut back to just more standalone episodes. Yeah, I mean, well, it's the problem is that you're going from a series where Sorkin wrote basically every single episode with contributions from other people. And you're going from that to an actual writer's room. Right. And there's going to be a disconnect. It's kind of just, it's part of the game. That's kind of what you have to do. Yeah. I I felt like they took note since they were coming up with the ideas, but they weren't implementing them at all. So uh, really, other than that, I mainly remember uh, Glenn Close being the nominated federal judge. uh, The Supreme Court nominee. Right. And they also nominate a conservative judge played by William Fitchner. And again, you know, here's another actor who wasn't doing much TV. He'd been on a few canceled medical shows, but uh, once again, just allowed to stretch himself. And this is pretty much just where this just becomes, uh, you're invited to the West Wing. <laughs> Who's the star this week? And It's like Mission uh, Impossible. Who's the villain? Right. Who's the villain of the week? Oh, the villain who was on last season as that one dude is is a different guy. Yeah. It's Uh, Anthony Zerby. Yay, Anthony Zerby. Anthony Zerby. Yeah. I love Anthony Zerby, but I'm surprised he wasn't on this show, given the amount of Tony-type award-winning talent they had. Uh, (laughs) They they have producer Littlewin Wells, uh, related to John Wells, uh, direct a few episodes. They have... Richard Schiff even direct an episode on National Security Advisor. And this was around the same time that Bradley Whitford wrote an episode or two. And but like you say, it's it's just more filler. So it's not really going anywhere. It's just staying on because it's on. Yeah, they kind of had to like rediscover what exactly their their mission statement was. And it was kind of becoming clear that the stuff that's going on at the White House, maybe they've kind of hit the peak saturation point, which is kind of drives the next season and entirely the last season. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's pretty much just like this is our new style now. So now we're just getting warmed up. If you hate it, tune out now. If you like what you see, stay tuned. Yeah, the the only real episode. Damn, I, I keep surprising myself. I actually do remember the Access episode just stood out to me because of oh, the mockumentary, right? The mockumentary where they—I mean, not really a mockumentary, but might as well have been—they uh, uh, make it look like some CNN or 2020, you know, frontline interview, just uh, revolving around CJ, and they did a good job of just making the whole presentation look like an actual, you know, documentary, and. Yeah fictionalizing cj you don't feel for a moment that she's faking it or anything or that it's been rehearsed you feel like i wouldn't have been surprised if someone had been just done on the fly intentionally you know it just it mm-hmm. had that kind of look and intent and fun fact when they first pitched uh 
Parks and Rec, they did pitch it as the West Wing, except funny. And they actually tried doing some of the same Steadicam shots. I mean, it was already a handheld shot, but they tried doing a Steadicam shot. They totally scrapped it, the co-creator said. He's just like, but but they brought uh, Rob Lowe along. <laughs> yeah. That was his next gig after he did Brothers and Sisters. But because uh, they wanted some extra star power. So it's kind of funny how they went from that kind of transition. Here he is being the positive guy. But who's the coolest Like the moron. definition of a positive guy. Yeah. Who cannot uh, be anything but positive, no matter how hard he tries. Positive dipshit, yeah. And he, uh, he was always kind of witty and laid back and kind of stealing Joss's fun thunder on the show. Uh, I can't say had he stayed on if they would have given him any material to do. So I guess he did choose a good time to leave because there wasn't really much else for the supporting people to do except kind of react and have shocking plot twists introduced. Uh, it's pretty much just, it almost kind of feels like it has the tone of that entire funeral episode, this whole season. It's just dead inside and just trying to roll with the punches, if that makes sense. And it's searching what the new, what the, the new spark is going to be to kind of kick it back into gear. And well, they, they land upon it, thankfully. Yeah. And if the timeline doesn't work out, but that's a whole separate issue. Mm hmm. I wonder if John Goodman's character, since he's named acting president Walken, if that was a reference to the fact that he was like one of the most common guest stars on SNL, along with Christopher Walken. I'm just probably gasping at straws, but I just thought it was an interesting coincidence. <laughs> I'm going to, even if you were grasping at straws, I'm going to pass that off as if it's legitimate information for the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm just noticing it. I'm just like, well, maybe. Connect those so, dots. Connect those dots. We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life. Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation. We have Italian horror. We have zombies. We have slashers. We have crime films. We have spaghetti westerns. We even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. 
tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games, mm-hmm. music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Yeah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers. Yes. The Google Play. Yes. Apple Podcasts. What else? Podbean. What else? Podcast Addict. Goddamn. All that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere. Worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't. Cussing the promo, PJ. Ah. We gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want his hair to say. Ah. 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 Good fun stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> you. <laughs> no, don't, don't run the listeners away, PJ. Ah, I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. So we'll end this and say, hey, check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Oh, necrophilia. Oh, oh, oh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of It's unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this, like, little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping absolutely. up at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch one. this shit at 12? 
Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. We now continue with our program. I'll schedule a call for you and the Prime Minister tomorrow. CJ, you're Chief of Staff. You can make the call. Right. Thank you, sir. I'm declaring a major federal disaster and dispatching every possible resource. We don't have all the facts. You will have them as soon as we do. But every level of government is working together on this. No matter what happens, we're going to handle it. Vote for the person who shares your ideals, your hopes, your dreams. Watch the two-hour series finale of The West Wing. Sunday, May 14th at 7, 6 central on NBC. Season 6 notes how you know, everyone is credited in alphabetical order except Martin Sheen. Because he really is just the support at this rate. They don't focus on him much. They have some crazy issues going on in the last seasons, including fracking and everything. It's like, oh, Jesus. Uh, they, they pretty much introduce you to what the final year is going to be. And that is, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, like halfway through the season, they realize, okay, well, in order to keep these characters in play, because we're kind of out of ideas for the specific West Wing, then we do the campaign. And then if we get two solid candidates out of this, then we have a we, I guess it wasn't conceived as, as the last season, but we have a good next season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, they kind of put aside all the stuff with the federal branch and just kind of move on to who's going to be next. They, they definitely focus a lot on, again, Bob Russell, Gary Cole's character again. And then they, uh, they, they hint at uh, Ed O'Neill, uh, Eric Barker, uh, Baker. Uh, and it's an interesting role for him. Cause you know, you know, he's done the filled uh, dragnet update as well as, you know, everyone's yeah, still that was right before this. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, you know, everyone still would say Bundy, Bundy, you know, from uh, Married with Children. But uh, they, they introduce uh, quite a lot of other people. Uh, uh, and Especially two very, very important people. Uh, you have Arnold Vinnick, played by Alan Alda, the only yeah. Republican I would ever vote for. Yeah. And then you have Santos, played by Jimmy Smits. Yeah, I, I like how they let's just blend season six and seven here together, because, I mean, it's pretty much it. The, I, I like how they give equal time to both of them. They they don't tell you who to root for, even though that, I that was my favorite thing about that season was the fact that they could have two parallel storylines about two different sides of the divide and have them be not necessarily competing, but you're kind of rooting for both sides at some point, although I was rooting for Vinick the whole time. But I would assume that other people would be <laughs> voting, for, not voting, but rooting for both <laughs> yeah uh it's very interesting uh they even have uh tim kelleher another future ncis performer uh as uh hoynes the former vice president played by matheson uh as his campaign manager and it's interesting how they just give all these you know vps you know extra time and how it comes to almost a draw and then uh ed o'neill's character just comes in at the last minute and then they 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 get some dirt on him they 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 sink him by just flat out being like oh but your wife has you know 
depression, you know, <laughs> and and they 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 pretty much sing. It just shows you how we're kind of having this on this current election, unfortunately, where everybody's just getting greedy and it's like, no, you got to join. There there are no third or fourth or fifth. There's one or two. That's it. <laughs> and eventually, you got to just yeah. have. Don't want to crowd the ticket. Yeah, uh, whoever's on the primary, you got to go with one eventually. And this show just kind of just bitch slaps you around in a good way. I don't mean that as in a deafening on any kind of quality, but it it, it does it in a way is like, okay, I did not see that coming, and it didn't feel like they pulled it out of their ass. But it's interesting how at first you kind of think uh, Lewis William Devane's character is gonna get nominated by Bartlett for vice mm-hmm. president. And he doesn't get it. And yet you, even though that, you know, they abandoned Bartlett's storyline, you kind of get a sense that, you know, again, he's Santos is the Bartlett 2.0, but more for like generation, you know, of millennials. Fun fact, uh, even though they don't share many scenes together, uh, Jimmy Smith's and Martin Sheen were in a often forgotten uh, movie about a deadly demonic cult called uh the believers uh from 87 which was an interesting Ooh, so movie he's super young cool yeah yeah uh they didn't even have that much screen time in that movie either but um it's kind of a mini reunion uh on the west wing uh podcast they mentioned how fun fact uh la law co- co-star uh uh corbin birdson no i i wish <laughs> he's like up in like season two or three um uh, that they get uh, uh, it, it was John Spencer. He was seeing Jimmy Smith's tour on a play in London, and he just kind of just mutually just kind of invited him back. And uh, Jimmy Smith's kind of joked that it was kind of another friendly rivalry, even though they didn't have that many scenes together. You know, because you know you want to be part of that crew and think like they think. And ER producer, you know, John Wells by this point, you know, was running the show and. He sold Jimmy on it on joining the cast by just saying, "Hey, this is about showing all the mud, muddy repetition that goes on in a campaign." And Jimmy mm-hmm. liked it because he's like, "Okay, cool. So you're writing a Latino character, but you're showing how he is. You know, what is he good at? You're not showing who he is. You're not just playing on the card." And yeah. uh, it, it's very intriguing uh and Lawrence o'donnell yes msnbc correspondent who i actually do like as a person despite being on a biased news network i uh he's uh very heavily involved in writing the speeches including the inevitable debate between uh smith's uh santos and aldous vinnick and and he's the creator of the vinnick character Right. That was his and entire brainchild. Pretty much. He he had already done a West Wing knockoff show with Josh Bolin called uh, Mr. Sterling that lasted 10 episodes. I actually recommend you can find those episodes on YouTube, as a matter of fact. Wasn't um, it in the same universe? They, they kind of do. They, they kind of acted like it didn't. But then, according to the Wikipedia experts, they're like, yeah, you totally hear Bartlett's name name dropped in one episode. It's like, OK, well, <laughs> the jig is up. <laughs> um but yeah it, it's a good show i 
hell, they might as well have crossed out over everyone, just pulled a whole law and order and just said, hey, you're canceled, but you can live on in the other show, <laughs> the same universe. Uh, uh, there's a lot of other interesting guest stars, uh, including Penn and Teller playing fictional versions of themselves. And uh, Penn Gillette e even mentioned on the West Wing Weekly episode how, you know, they had done a magician. Another magician encouraged them, you know, to and this is before the whole, you know, neo-Nazis burning flags and everything, you know, to just do the whole, you know, part of what a magician does is destroy and, you know, bring back to life, you know, recreate, you know, fooled uh -huh. you. And I thought that was kind of cool to just kind of bring in how what's supposed to be just simple satire and stupid ends up becoming a big political, you know, controversy is like you burned a flag at, you know, the correspondence dinner. What the hell, man? <laughs> I actually saw them live in Vegas around the same time and they did that trick. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. And Penn really did remark about how, you know, he's totally against, you know, flag burning. He, he just was somehow just brought in as just kind of a loose, just wacky joke, but he would get very disturbed at occasions because some people would sometimes watch it and get offended and other people would be just like, that's cool, but totally be oblivious to what it was. And so they eventually abandoned it for the most part, but uh, they pretty much just, uh, it just shows you how, you know, again, how no one is safe on this show, including, uh, comedians playing themselves in a fictional capacity so it's just like it's kind of an interesting intri uh intriguing moment uh yeah uh they develop uh melina's will bailey's relationship with the cia intelligence gal uh kate harper played by mary mccormick who had already been on plenty of other universal shows like the traffic miniseries and would later be on in plain side and will and grace and it's a cool role for her uh, back when she was very skinny and very eye-catching. And it, I don't feel like she's ever, you know, she often gets typecast as, you know, the tough bitch role. And I didn't get that at all with this character, really. But, I mean, everyone's got a different type. So she's uh, a little cold, but, I mean, it's part cool. of the personality. It's not, it's not, let's have her just be nasty. It's kind of, well, she has, I mean, she's, she works for the CIA. She kind of has to have a front of dispassionate integrity yeah and they they kind of always introduce her as she's like are you really ready because i really don't want to tell you this awful news <laughs> just always briefing with cj and yeah when she i think she finds some dirt on toby's scandal we'll cover that later <laughs> and it's just like yeah uh we got a mole we got a leak <laughs> who is it because <laughs> we're gonna have to search well, every starts computer. The downward spiral for toby Oof. yeah yeah he's pretty much ignored in season six i like how they bring uh the mom from home improvement as uh vinick's supervisor and i liked how they had uh mystery men and ben stiller uh pal uh janine garofalo as santos advisor and she really does they brought ron like... silver back yeah bruno oh yeah Th this was a great ladder role for him after you know years of just doing other just guest spots b movies and uh, seen him on this and as also as the opposing lawyer in later seasons of law and order was very very cool and the uh, interesting part about his character here is that before when he had been in season four helping out the bartlett campaign he was just like his character a liberal and then after 9 11 
he kind of turned to the conservative side. So they brought him back. They realized he's not going to want to do the same kind of stuff. So they ended up having him guide the Vinick campaign. That yeah, uh, and I mean he's kind of the intellectual conservative, if you will. He doesn't come off as the guy who's just like play dirty. He's like you got to say it, this and that. And I really do find it. I wouldn't say touching, but very intriguing because this is just not anything that today's conservatives would ever do where, you know, I mean, they'll just say yes to anything just to get what they want. I mean, and you could say that about the other side, but I mean, they'll, uh, they'll instantly side with a religious figure. And I like how they have Stargate SG-1's Don S. Davis appear as a, uh, you know, televangelist who's in disagreement with Vinick's stance and everything. <laughs> Because, you know, Vinick's not taking him up on the whole, you know, anti-abortion clause and it's causing a stir with a potential, you know, candidate support. And that's when I fell in love with him. Right. And it just showed, yeah. And this is what I really like is just both sides just feel as like we want to be the best. We want to be honest. We want to win it fair and square. And I mean, we'll kick each other's ass. a competition where either one could win. And it wouldn't be a disappointment necessarily. It would be strange if Vinick won simply because nobody who's a series regular is on his team. And so that means you'd have to get rid of basically everybody. But if he were to be president and say the show goes on for eight more years, that would be a show worth watching. Yeah. And this is also where uh, CJ just flat out just is no longer, you know, the PR gal. And <laughs> having to run a whole different portion of the staff. And uh, Allison Janney commented on it is like uh, on how she didn't expect, you know, that, I mean, and at the same time, she kind of was, she wasn't intimidated, but she was kind of like, wow, I'd be so cool with just being this. Now I really am readjusting to the role because I'm having to find a different identity to the character because the character's in a different place now. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Uh, I love Kristen Chenoweth. Uh, as she really got a lot more TV offers after this. She commented on that as yeah, uh, pushing daisies after this. And she even remarks how the uh, love she has for the character of Leo was real. Like she and John Spencer just totally just were in love with each other. Just great charisma and everything. So I love the addition of 30 something uh, male Harris as a senator. And then they have Christopher Lloyd playing real life uh, professor and activist, uh, Professor Lawrence uh, Lessig. And they end up kind of just showing some of those bits in later previously on episodes, which is kind of cool. Uh, this show won, this season, uh, six won two Imagine Awards, you know, the Latino Awards Ceremony. So that was oh, awesome. And... Um, You've been waiting for it. I, the whole Leo heart attack is just even more wretching, especially when you realize afterwards that the actor did actually die and then they had to write in a death anyway for the character. So it's like, damn. Yeah, that that scene in particular is one of the hardest things that I I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Because I, I, when I rewatched it, it was after he had died. And it Mm. was kind of watching that with a different context. Like, Oh, he's acting out something that he literally did later and didn't yeah. know it. Method acting unknowingly. It's like that shit. is sad. Oh. Mm. So uh 
on a positive note, uh, the whole debate was actually aired live. and In two time zones. Yeah. And Joshua Molina, who plays Will Bailey and hosts the podcast, notes how there's additional scenes, including one that he's in it, that the DVD has all these extended debate takes and other scenes, but, you know, that were not in the telecast uh, mm-hmm. on the live live cast and are definitely not in the Netflix versions. Uh, real life moderator Forrest Sawyer plays the moderator in these episodes. Uh, Lawrence O'Donnell has also often talked about how so often uh, uh, various people on social media will share the clip where Jimmy Smith says, liberal Republicans, where did they go? <laughs> it's, it's such a telling line now versus back when it was happened. And, you know, Mitch McConnell then is not the Mitch McConnell, you know, still, we just got to move on, not do anything. <laughs> and, uh, uh his head back into his shell. Right. Turtle man. And O'Donnell totally commented on that too. Um, uh, executive producer, John Wells decided that, because, you know, it's a film, a film set often has, you know, interruption just from the higher ups, no matter where you are. And he's just like, we have to have it live. So we're going to film at a space in Burbank off campus. So there will be zero interruptions. Alex Graves was already the leading executive producer and director for a while on the show and had determined a lot of the look and shots. And this was his first time. You know, he was directing from a trailer and first time he directed a live show. None of the crew from the otherwise, you know, recorded episodes was here. It was all a live show. And O'Donnell likens this episode to SNL and sports. And, you know, that's exactly the kind of crew they had on that, you know. And he even, they all note how there's various moments where it's clear that director Graves and his crew told, you know, the crew to cut earlier but it doesn't really necessarily take away from it. It's just like they're thinking they're about to say something and boom, you know, and one of the best special features that they have on the DVD is you can watch, it has like a picture in picture and you can watch Alex Graves direct the episode with the technical staff throughout the entire debate. Oh, that's great. That's just like the various, uh, 24 featurettes and no, that's cool. I, I definitely need to buy these DVDs then. Uh, Alan Alda mentioned difficulty at first adjusting to the teleprompter site and likened it to putting on a play. He also told O'Donnell... There's no safety net. If you met... I mean, I don't think... I think maybe, like, once or twice, maybe Jimmy Smith's, like, misspeaks, but he corrects himself pretty quick. And for something that they have to remember an entire hour's worth of material and then do it all again three hours later is remarkably smooth. Yeah, and both performers loved playing off each other. They mentioned that it was like putting on a play. At one point, O'Donnell, you know, he would always do the speeches in intervals. So all three rehearsals were always different, just like an actual debate. (laughs) Alda even spoke his mind, told O'Donnell, he's like, I think we pretty much have already, you know, have stated the obvious. So O'Donnell didn't add any additional lines after that. He said, okay, we got enough. Um, And both performers mentioned how they just were bonded over the experience. It's interesting how you bring up how Smith has kind of the politician walk. He had actually met with some 
nonprofit people in Washington while doing a fundraiser for, you know, uh, education uh, for minorities. And he also even encountered Barack Obama, you know, two years, two years before he, you know, was going to run. And he quoted Obama as even saying, I got to figure out how I'm going to break the news to my family that I want to run and if they will support me. And he found that he, that was definitely one of the many ways he played the role as a result of that. And that was cool because as a result, one of the lead writers, Eli A.T. was actually, you know, who was all up on current events, what actually coincidentally was already basing Obama as an inspiration for the Santos characters. (laughs) Everyone was on the same page. Um, O'Donnell also noticed how uh, the audience was all organic. Like they were not told what side to, you know, object to or root for. They, they just let it play out like an actual deal. And he noticed how yeah. he did his best to write this as a totally balanced argument, take the best points from either side, you know, because he's been around people in Washington. And how. You don't want to give the impression that one of them could win. You got to give the, the impression that both of them have put equal time and equal consideration into what they're doing instead of tipping the hand and saying, well, this one's clearly better at what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want just seeing one's a wimp, one's a dickhead, you know, like it would be in real life even. <laughs> and he he mentioned how this could have only been done back in the day, how if you did it today, the episode would just seem too biased or one-sided. And I think that's that is telling. Yeah. Uh, O'Donnell even mentioned how the closest he played his show persona was on Kirby and Thursday Island, which is funny because I remember him from his role on Olympus Has Fallen as himself. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and so it's interesting how they've gone from the state of affairs to Washington mayhem to it conceived of Israel, which still hasn't evolved since the show was on the air. Uh, it, it pretty much is all just about the debate and then what each side is doing. It, it's all very remarkable, especially considering how Graves had never done live TV before and he just jumped right into it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, let's talk about Toby. Uh, Schiff was cynical about it at the rap party and and just because he just didn't get the communication. And he did also mention how after this show ended, he kept getting Toby-esque roles as a result. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this this storyline, I mean, I, season seven is, strangely enough, as a Sorkin appreciator, season seven is my favorite. Simply yeah. because it has, it has a different kind of tone and... It feels like a road movie because, well, you're on the road, but you're on the road, yeah. It has a different feel to it for the since like the King Corn episode in, in season six all the way through. It is not the typical West Wing style simply because you don't have established sets where you can do these long walk and talks. You kind of have to chop them up a bit and kind of adapt to your new center to your new surroundings. Yeah, there's way, way, way more episodes of guys you know in their bedrooms and you know making sense of what a lot of crappy hotel rooms crappy hotels looking at the tvs there's way more intense close-ups even that i think are well used not over a lot of conference rooms conference rooms that they pretty much just show how bartlett is just 
whatever his you know intelligence people tell him he's just like i i trust you you have my authorization you know <laughs> he's trying to make the next term for whoever wins be as painless as possible <laughs> and, and yeah he even has a brief scene with santos which i think is interesting but could have been played up more um it is what it is uh there's some other cool guest stars i like how they got longtime actor and voice actor uh robert foxworth a very deep brooding voice as one of the other members of uh Vinick's staff the foo fighters are featured on here and they mentioned how dave matthews and bono are going to be playing that's the uh the election episode right 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 and Jimmy Smith's fun fact, I also found out at a Bon Jovi concert that at around the same time that the band had a Santos for President t-shirt made because they were big, <laughs> avid watchers of the show. And it was around the same time that news was circulating that they wanted some popular you know, rock band to appear as themselves on the show. <laughs> and, yeah, and this was the, being... uh, for the Foo Fighters, was, it was kind of their political era. It was their political era and uh Molina and his co-host joke on the West Wing episode how uh, uh, uh on the podcast how they thought it at first they were just gonna play their typical there goes my hero but they didn't they ended up just totally playing just uh newer material uh which I think would be played for real at an actual election I think that's why it works for me uh it's interesting because like there hasn't been any there's been plenty of other brief moments the show sparsingly uses music but when it does it is good music but we've seen other people like big bird and hasselhoff but we've the last and that episode that in season one where they saw all the celebrities right right and uh, the last time we've seen a band on here was uh, i think season three or four where they had the bare naked ladies perform and uh oh yeah at the uh, rock the vote yeah yeah and and they had yo-yo ma i think in this season, but I don't think yes, he counts as do. a band. Yeah, this is a musician, but I do actually like that performance. Uh, especially because they have they also have that one actor who's in all those, used to be in all those Geico ads. <laughs> Guest star. Do um, you have a caveman but, on the show? No, awesome. no, 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 no. Ah, oh, damn it! The, that I, I my hopes up. Uh, it, they have the, the gecko. No, please it's tell the me it's the gecko. It's the blonde guy who's in all those commercials. Ah, crap. Okay, well. I uh, you'll you also love this. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, season seven is the season where uh, Donna and Joss finally make out, and that's it's a lovely sight for sore eyes. But uh, the episode was not easy to film because uh, the ang- uh, Janelle found the angles very awkward, and to make things worse, uh, Bradley had a cold that day, <laughs> so it it was not sexy, just like most behind the scenes filming of that those type of scenes usually are and everyone likes to play up the whole lucky guy is like no not not lucky (laughs) these people don't even like each other it's work uh and bradley mused on about it how you know how both actors did actually find each other attractive but it was a matter of just getting the scene right and it was kind of just it worked like clockwork they didn't give it a second thought and it just made it work uh and they mentioned how, you know, back had this been in a days of Twitter, how this would have been all over the place. But, you know, 
when it happened, you know, whoever was tuned in heard about it and it didn't explode like wildfire like it would nowadays. <laughs> uh, yeah. There would be like, memes about this for like mm, two weeks. Right. As a result of, once again, this is all from the podcast, uh, of, as a result of joining the West Wing family, uh, Jimmy Smith's, you know, had no problem just fitting in, but being the cool, just wonderfully nice person that he is, uh, he never, you know, acted like, hey, it's my show now or anything. <laughs> He's just like, I'm just part of one giant machine. And he also, as a result, found out that there's often lots of pranks that go on behind the scenes. <laughs> Especially <laughs> Josh Molina. Yes, and as a result, King he, Prankster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Molina and Bradley to this day are still just trolling each other on Twitter, <laughs> just like they were on set. And as a result, uh, Smith got in the middle of one. There was randomly a bouquet of flowers, which Janelle and Joshua pleaded the fifth on. On <laughs> uh, being behind that, buying that expensive bouquet, and. They said it was from Brad, and to add to the confusion, Jimmy thought it was from another guy who coincidentally thought was Brad. And actually, no, that, that's just it. It was from another guy, somehow, who was named Brad. I'm getting this probably regurgitated, but long story short, he thinks it's from Bradley Whitford, so he goes up to him and hugs him. And Bradley's like, "What the fuck? <laughs> what did I do?" And then it takes a while, and he's finds out that it's Molina and Janelle, and he's like, "Oh." so gonna get you guys back <laughs> even though it's our final year um jimmy got his revenge there was a cast rap party on the ellen show and basically jimmy mumbled that all funds will go to charity if uh richard schiff would smash a cake in josh's face <laughs> i don't know about the news of it but i'm sure i can youtube that <laughs> so seems like a fun family i especially like how jimmy smith's played the presidential candidate years later on 24 legacy but he didn't play it the same way which i also thought was pretty cool for that character so i didn't know he was on that yeah um it's the one season i don't think i've actually watched yeah a lot of people weren't crazy about it i pretty much like all the seasons i just judge them as their own movie i I see the good and bad in all those seasons and we're going to cover them all separately anyway. Cause they're all, you know, 12 hour movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I definitely saw how Smith's got way, way more activist roles when he was on bluff city law. I definitely got that scent. Even though he was playing a Republican lawyer, he played a guy who's like, tell the truth, you know, do what's right. So he definitely got way more, you know, just, I wouldn't say just nice guy roles, just relatable, activist roles and plus well, so it was uh, the 80s and it was cool to be a republican it's oh, oh that, well, you, you, <laughs> yeah back in that time when 94 percent of the nation voted for reagan uh they i do like how this show even though it's like in an alternate universe uh melina even brought up how it doesn't really often reference modern day events it just kind of brings up just like modern issues and the most yeah, it's the more only... like the things that are inspired by but never it's not like law and order where you rip it from the headlines right and then you make up your own ending because obviously you're never going to get that follow-up report uh 
Yeah. And I, and I mean, that's the gimmick. So people keep getting offended. And I'm like, well, don't watch it. That's the whole point. <laughs> take, take a premise and act it out in some sort of reality they've created. Uh, uh, they, I definitely like how the show began and ended. Uh, if you were to bring this show back, how do you think they would proceed with it? Much like they often talk about in which the talks have gone nowhere. How do you think they'd resurrect it? God, I mean, obviously, I don't think it could come back as a regular series. I think it would have to be limited. It's definitely, I definitely concur with that. Uh, they're definitely, Sorkin's definitely going to have to do his homework. Either that or his writers will have to, because I love, I, I have taken his master class. It's a great class, by the way. I will gladly give you my login if you're interested. Uh, but in that intro, and, and you see this on the trailer for the website on Facebook, uh, he still to this day says, yeah, I've never seen any of the seasons uh, that were made after I left. And I'm like, well, I think you should. Because <laughs> you're only adding to this whole myth that this show was It'd nothing probably be too hard for him. Yeah. And at the same time, I think he does it more out of respect because he doesn't want to second guess the decisions that they made. Yeah, he well, and in his talk, he even just flat out says, you know, I have nothing against it in my mind. It's just that's where I left the story. So he's pretty much just like any other Star Trek writer who left after, you know, a lesser season that they would almost always say that exact same thing. It's like. I had nothing wrong with my contributions. I had to leave because I didn't like the environment, yada, yada, you know, want to expand my career. <laughs> so it was like, it's his career. I, I respect it. I, I wish he'd open up a bit, but, you know, he doesn't come off as cynical as Richard Schiff. And at the same time, I can't, I can't blame Richard for being cynical because he does take his acting serious. Why wouldn't you? You're playing a guy who is on house arrest at the end of the series. It's like, damn. Which at the same time, even though no one is in the same episode, I'm kind of glad that they had that earlier episode where they flash forward as to where they'll all be years from now. Because mm -hmm. it's just a it's very kinda, it's a it's a bit of a spoiler because it is uh, a total spoiler. They wouldn't be at the presidential library if Vinick won. But yeah. It's... I'm glad you bring it's that on, up. It's on brand. It's on, it's completely consistent with how the season turns out. But again, right. as a Vinick supporter, it's kind of one of those moments of, oh, oh, oh that's how it's going to go. Got it. Yeah. And I mean, he doesn't win like a wimp. And uh, Molina even compares him to John McCain's closing speech when being defeated by Obama, which I never really thought of. But and, I mean, this was about a few years before so i it's an interesting uh finale uh like you say that is pretty much a dead-end spoiler i never i did i just never gave it a thought i was just so wrapped up oh danny and cj are there together okay so they did get married because <laughs> the next few episodes i wouldn't say they're not size, but they're a totally different persona you know you almost think they're not going to get together <laughs> what that future yeah. behold but then they do and it's like but it's not easy <laughs> it's like, and uh, that uh danny is really pulling out a heart and two limbs for <laughs> the affection <laughs> and cj is tough to entertain the notion so uh yeah uh they they introduce a lot of other just kind of stuff that 
I never would have thought they'd even talk about like Patience Bill of Rights. Nuclear power. Uh, Nina says Matsuko, uh, who plays, you know, uh, one of the older blonde daughters. Uh, it's interesting seeing her character uh, finally gets married. And it's funny because uh, she she got got asked about that and the the actors were all just noticing it's like yeah isn't your character closeted and she's like yeah i totally thought she was gay because <laughs> that's just how it read and funny enough i kind of got that sense too like they bring it was... up in the episode as well yeah yeah and the scene and between just... stocker channing and martin sheen right but it's just so funny how just no one really thought of it because i mean Obviously, it was a Hollywood production, but like the show was just so political, and it's just so annoying nowadays when someone does a political show. It's just near impossible to mention anything. There's always somebody pissed off. Oh, how dare I was liking that show till you brought up that point. And it's like, well, it is a political drama show, and you know, designated survivor and Madam Secretary would get this grief, get this guff all the time, and especially 24, but oh yeah, th this show, it seemed like just not enough kids were watching it. So not enough people were bitching and, you know, it was strictly for, you know, older adults and young teenagers and people joke, this show made it politics sexy, but it's like, well, it's true. Just like people were wanting to be cops and lawyers. There were people and astronauts, even there were people who wanted to get into politics. There's a great book called walk with us, which has a bunch of edited together essays by fans of the show. Totally worth a read. I will mail you my copy if you want one. <laughs> it's not to get a look. It's absolutely beautifully written. And it just, it, it's just cool seeing just different sides of how people got into the show and people took it seriously. It's like, no, this made me aware of what goes on in my day-to-day -day life. I didn't give a shit about politics until this very day. <laughs> when I saw the show and it was like, okay, cool. Um, and it is kind of a shame that, um, I mean, I like how the show has been given a HD treatment. Uh, it's kind of a shame that it's still pretty much stuck to DVD. Everyone's just given up even doing Blu-rays of every other show just because they either don't have the negatives anymore or they don't want to. They just don't think it'll make a profit if they upgrade. So I briefly strictly... got hopeful when they put friends on Blu-ray. Because I figured if you're going to put a sitcom on Blu-ray, then you should probably put one of the best-looking network TV shows on there. But no. Yeah. No, they have a box set. That's about it. It's a damn shame. And pretty much every network show is doing it now. It's like DVD only. We will only give it a Blu-ray if it's, you know, an HBO Showtime show. And I understand because, you know, they're yeah. guaranteed a market. And at the same time, there's still kind of this aversion. There's still plenty of people. If it's not on streaming, they will not watch the show. And fortunately, this show Bad has survived. I know. And I, I just always have this with me. I'm like, stream or buy physical. Stream or buy physical. <laughs> the Eventually, good thing about buying physical is that you can never get a bad internet reception. The, the shows will always look good if that, you have a good player. And it's just a more convenient way to just introduce people to it. I would do this all the time. I would loan people seasons of shows and movies I had and just because I had seen them online. And here's the other thing, you know, this was around the same time. It ends around this 
a year before internet piracy becomes a big deal. You know, I watched plenty of stuff on third party sites and everyone does the whole, Oh, you're costing money. It's like, well, guess what Jack has is I became everything I bought was something I saw online, whether it was on a official streaming or on TV or, you know, whatever other resource. And, uh, this show doesn't really seem to be streamed on any other real, you know, place. Uh, I, I'm glad that they're moving it to a Warner Brothers own platform and not just letting, you know, well, Netflix was our only client, so now it's not going to be on stream anymore. So that's good. Uh, it's not, it's still not free to stream on Amazon, but it was one of the first places where it got digitally remastered. So I still give them credit for that. Um, uh, so if they were to going back to a potential future season, like you say, it would have to be like a 10 night event. Uh, it might even do way better if it was on USA network since, you know, it's cable and, you know, same sister company. Yeah. I don't Garrett. know how it could, it, I mean like 24 could come back to network TV, but I don't know that the West wing is necessarily suited to that. Yeah. Especially uh, with the way that it ended. Uh-huh. They, they they would have to, and Jimmy's too old now, so he would just have to be, you know, uh, and Alda's still alive, so they could even do just a reunion for everybody. Just flat out be a total reunion for everyone. I'm not saying... Yeah, maybe, like, story-wise, how do you get all these people back together? They've all been out of these jobs for presumably at least eight right. years. And everybody's aged so much, it can't even be like that hysterical funnier dice skit that they did back in the day. <laughs> Don't they also that one Ron Howard directed short that they have all the various actors playing presidents, including Will Ferrell as Bush? Don't they also have Martin Sheen as Bartlett? I think in that episode. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> it's hysterical. It's just another breaking the fourth wall. It's like we got fictional and actual presidents here. <laughs> um, he's a real president to me. Damn it. Uh, I, yeah, he's the only president I voted for. <laughs> but. Um, Besides President David Palmer and, well, hell, even... Uh, rest in peace. Yeah. Uh, hell, I'll even go further. Uh, Tia Leone is the only female president uh, as uh, Elizabeth McCord, <laughs> Madam Secretary. <laughs> it's perfect at compromises. Uh, uh, hell, Kiefer was the president on Designated Survivor, and I'd vote for him. But Because um, <laughs> then we get Jack Bauer in. <laughs> <laughs> tortured man uh like president should right <laughs> the secret justice leads out uh if if I, I was president i would have the expendables as the new still team six and then i would have uh god i would have congress be run by not any bastard on South Park, but I would pretty much just have it and just be Starfleet type people <laughs> from Star Trek. Just have them be all just diplomatic. <laughs> we can wearing the uniforms. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Sure. Why not? It can't be any worse than the C-SPAN type discussions in the Star Wars movies. <laughs> Shooting each other with phasers. Yeah. Make yeah. Congress interesting. All right, and it won't. It won't be near as over the top as the various trials and dry runs on Babylon 5. So, I mean, this is it'd be way more down to earth, pun intended. <laughs> and, um, uh, it, but yeah, 
uh, I'd rather that fresh hell over the current hell that we got. But it is not to be, unfortunately. So if they were to do another season, it, it would probably have to be it would have to be more than fan service. Yes, you'd obviously have everyone come back, but it would totally have to. I mean, with all the other shows that they're announcing are coming back, they, they've announced out of all things that Nash Bridges is even coming back to USA Network for a limited series. So they should oh, totally. God. Right. Might as well. But or should they? But uh, they, they should totally, I think, do that same platform with Western. Just have it be a 10 week USA Network event and. They have to have just something, just like some other candidate, just kind of. It has to be just some other kind of stakes raised. Like it has to be like maybe related to someone, like Sam or Josh have a kid who's running for Congress and they're against it or some shit. Maybe they're on the opposite party. That could be interesting. Is like because you got to. So it's basically up. the Force Awakens, but for politics. Oh, I would hope not. I would hope it'd be more like. Son of Lone Wolf and Cub, or some shit like that. You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> even like the Mandalorian was doing, uh, where you know you got some other part of the same alien species. Yeah, you, you got someone in the same kind of pool, but you know, isn't with is a shark in a way, you know, <laughs> eating all the other fishes. You know, so I mean, you could I could even see just some other kind of scandal. I mean, maybe even bring back. Uh, uh, Josh and Mary McCormick's maybe further their relationship a bit because they were kind of always kind of ignored and uh -huh. they were kind of the most misfit couple but you kind of bought it and at the same time you weren't really focused on them like you were Josh and Donna and I mean uh, they were there that they were there count. no 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 they, they count uh, everybody was relevant and, and it, it wasn't ever like any of these other doctor shows fell victim to where yeah, you're just waiting for someone to leave <laughs> so you can enjoy the show more. Um, I, I I think they would definitely. Uh, can you think of any other issue or topic they could probably cover that wouldn't seem too pretentious? I'm sure that's been a big deal where they've been trying to think what haven't we done. But yeah, I mean, with the current political climate, I really don't know how you can really do the same kind of material that they did man because the the more that you kind of trivialize what's going on now i i don't know i don't know how the response would be to that i don't know how i would take it personally i think i'd enjoy it i don't think i regardless of what happened i obviously i would not enjoy it as much as i did the initial show at, at this stage it's going to likely remain in development hell much like uh, the failed TV pilot comebacks for New York Undercover and NYPD Blue. It's just, it's just not gelling with our current society. It's going to live on. And, yeah. and it's it's also just like many other shows, I'm impressed at how so many people have still seen it thanks to Netflix, despite it having zero syndication. Despite all that said and done, that it was often on Bravo, you know, network quite a lot, but obviously they're not the channel for that anymore. They've done a few original shows, but for the most part, they're sticking with just, you know, risque, VH, you know, stuff that VH1 doesn't take and other just reality crap. All, you know, every other network, unless you're TNT or USA, 
you're doing reality shows and that is a goddamn shame because <laughs> uh, i remember when they used to like uh play pilots that didn't go through they would have right like, celebrations a... of shows that were canceled too early like they used to be a completely different network they really did and they're not that i would watch them every time there was a new episode of inside the actor studio and they, they pretty much gave up that i mean they, they have like three new episodes a year i don't know if it's because of low ratings or what but i didn't see any new episodes last year at all that's for sure so i mean hell do you want to do a whole west wing reunion on inside the actor studio <laughs> That'd be good enough for me. I would watch that. <laughs> I would watch that just like they did with the whole cast of Family Guy and a bunch of other people. <laughs> just, just have better yet, they they could do that too. They could kind of did what they did with Archer crossover with Bob's Burgers. They could have the cast of the West Wing. I mean, they kind of that's kind of has been the running joke. Anyone who's been on West Wing has often been on shows with the other actors, you know, co-starring with each other. Uh, like Bradley Whitford did this where he co-starred with Jimmy Smith in a scene, few episodes together on Brooklyn nine, nine. I'm not a fan of that show, but the scene they're in together is kind of amusing where he breaks his thumb off or something. And they're like father-in-laws of each other's kids or some shit like that. <laughs> Get in a fight, which is so funny because they're, you know, running mates, not running mates, but they're, you know, they're part of the same presidential staff. And yeah. uh, Bradley Bradley was also later on Parks and Rec with Rob Lowe. So, I mean, it, it's kind of a shame that that's as good as we're going to get. It's just, say, you know, it, it's kind of relegated to what we see with all the sci-fi, you know, the Stargate and Star Trek actors where we see them in sh movies and shows together and we're like, ha ha, I get it. But that's it. You know, it's a very restricted kind of follow up. You know what I mean? It's not. Yeah it's only for the i mean that's honestly kind of how i prefer it but yeah well no i, I like i think I, I, going totally back fine. to it would kind of sully it a bit but you know, yeah, I mean, yeah it's always nice to see him i guess inhabiting the same characters but it kind of it i mean it ended it was it was done right people even joked later how allison jenny later did a cj craig walk and talk on her new sitcom mom a lot of people oh she did to uh, wow i need uh, to watch that yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan of Chuck Lorre type stuff, but I, I I saw her play the C.J. Craig character before I even saw this damn show on Full Frontal with Samantha B. you know, the Daily Show type. <laughs> and she was on the, uh, the Correspondence Center episode. Right. Uh, it was pretty amusing, and it was the rare kind of amusing where it just made everyone guffaw, because at that point she was better well known, you know, just for all these other supporting roles. Um and spy yeah. spy and i tanya definitely helped her um so uh to close this out uh how would you rate all these actors where do these roles for each of them rank in their arsenal of performances would you say for oh. most of them uh I mean, well like allison janney probably the top like i like her in basically everything but she's yeah at peak form as CJ. Uh, she just has more to do. And for the longest time, she was always, you know, supporting or just brief cameo in a like it or hate it movie. Uh, I, I, I went through, I go for everyone's resume all the time and every once in a while I'm like, Oh, I hated that movie, but now I kind of want to see it. Cause she's in it. 
<laughs> just in six days, seven nights as the boss. Well, now that scene has to be funny in that otherwise abysmal excuse of a comedy. Let uh, me warn you about that one. Don't re- revisit it, please. Oh, I won't. No, I, I, it I, is rough. I know. I, I encountered it way, way too many times. Saw it in the theater. Oh, oh dear. No. I'm so no, ashamed no. of myself. I mean, I was a kid. It wasn't my choice, but oh, still. Well. I, I had the option of seeing parts of it on ABC Family back before it was Freeform and USA Network. And the only thing I found amusing was, hey, Django Fed and Han Solo in a movie together with Anne Hatch. Oh, by the way, this movie blows. I'm so bored. And I don't even have. This was before I had a sense of quality. That's when you know something's wrong. When Same with I, me. I was a dumb kid. I liked everything, but I didn't uh, like that. I know. I had my guilty pleasures. I, I don't even like the term guilty pleasures. But yeah, back then I was like, yeah, no, this movie has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. And I, I would think it would because, you know, it's very risque. It's very stupid. It's like, no, the, this is just a bad National Lampoon movie. And fortunately, going back to the comedy, uh, uh, side of things uh this show does is probably the rarest of shows to have so many f- out- outrageously amusing moments in a non-comedic series you know obviously i mean i get that each time i see richard belzer play his john munch character on homicide and law and order you know <laughs> he's always batshit hysterical and then uh you get that with chloe you know mary lynn's character on 24 the only amusement amusing side and otherwise, you know, very grim, very morbid show. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, what would you say were your favorite moments? Do you ever like, uh, as a whole, do you ever find yourself just trying to link stuff just to wrap this up and uh, that you share uh, well, with friends? Favorite moments. I mean, I, I have something that I like value in basically every single episode of the first four and the last season. But in particular, I, I just, I mean, again, Arnold Vinick supporter, the introduction of him was probably the, my favorite aspect of the show. Yeah. Yeah. It's very natural for everybody. Just when they introduce him, it doesn't ever really feel like, you know, ratings are going down, so we gotta get someone new. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, they have freaking Hall Hallbrook, uh, Ron Canada, Tony Plana, uh, and a recurring joke in many memes lately has been how Clark Gregg, who you know for the longest time I knew him as that guy in you know David Mamet movies, uh. And here he is, you know, being an FBI special agent. Everyone's been joking. Oh, so Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was part of the West Wing. (laughs) I'm like, you silly guys. (laughs) Uh, It's a good role also for William Devane. I mentioned him earlier, how, you know, he was doing this around the same time as playing the president on Stargate SG-1 and before he played the future president. Secretary of Defense on 24. Right, and then later the president (laughs) on that one. Stephen Colt, he was doing this around the same time as being one of the Federation Marines on Star Trek Enterprise. He had also been on 24 as the Marine-turned-Secret Service agent willing to interrogate traitors. He's been, you know, often noted for just playing, you know, various political figures like, you know, Robert Kennedy in 13 Days and Brief Moment in Captain America 2. So 
this is a great introduction if you want to get into any of what these actors have to offer and when they're allowed to play a recurring character. Absolutely. Rip to Roger Rees, uh, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. He is great as Lord John Marbury, <laughs> uh, ambassador from the UK. Oh, that always hitting on Stalker Channing. Oh, those are the best scenes. Stalker Channing is also given so much to do. This definitely made her renowned. She was already, you know, a beloved icon. And for people who are mute or deaf, they're, they're going to definitely like seeing Marley Matlin's Joey character because it kind of makes the show just even more relatable for disabled people, if you will. You know, she's kind of, it just shows you how everybody's going to be consulted on. And, uh, yeah. uh, going through it again, I, I like how Chris Williams, who was fresh off of Nash Bridges plays one of the Santos campaign consultants in the final season. He, uh, that black lightning. Yeah. He later became black lightning and in between, this was around the same time. He was also one of those, uh, Secret Service hitman on the final seasons of Prison Break. So uh, 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 it's definitely a cool role for him, seeing him play an everyday role after being typecast so for so long as, you know, gangbanger, you know, number one or, you know, uh, cop, you know, with a temper tantrum. So uh, it's a very cool role there. Uh, and I also like seeing Stephen Root. I mean, there's another office space connection here. <laughs> His greatest you never have too much Stephen Root. Yeah. And, uh, well, I'd, I'd love to even, for future episodes, moving off of this, uh, discuss some of these other shows we talked about, especially, uh, you know, 24, Madam Secretary, and Designate Survivor, if you've seen any of those. <laughs> I could talk about 24 for about eight months, so. Okay, yeah, no, that, that's fine. Man, you <laughs> went to town, just really ranked some of the biggest moments that is like even when you watch it you don't realize it until you think about it long and hard so thank you ever so much and uh yeah for those who want to know uh ryan does great takes on just modern day cinema and contrasts them with every season of mystery science theater it's a great listen you can find it on podbean among other platforms you can uh, itunes stitcher spotify anywhere you can get podcasts we are there please do uh uh, give it a chance. Do give it some love. Go to the Patreon if you haven't. And more or less, even just say hi. Just let them know that, hey, I, I saw it. Don't just be vague and listen to an episode and not say anything like most bus guys. Yeah, don't be a bum. <laughs> be a nice person. Be a nice person. <laughs> we ask for nothing, but we want something in return. And uh, yeah, so, no, thank you once again, Mr. Rodriguez, for knocking it out of the park on this one. This was a great way to wrap it all up, add it with some trivia and observations, so. Uh, Happy to talk about the West Wing again. I haven't talked about it in 10 years. <laughs> I don't think it'll ever get old. Even the lesser moments, even the best moments, <laughs> someone's going to bring it up eventually using a meme. <laughs> yep. Okay. To all y'all, you know where to find me, you know where to find Ryan, and we wish you well, and stay tuned. Take care. The Jacked Up Review Show can also be followed on Facebook on both the page and the group. Feel free to chat, leave questions, make requests for future episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you so much for your various support. And we'll continue to entertain the hell out of you. 
Until then, take care.